0: Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about Rugby League. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Shout out to our listeners from Victoria and good luck to your team, the Melbourne Storm this week against Canberra Raiders. Also a shout out to the best friend of the podcast, Owen. This week we answer the burning question, should players put on report be exempt from a suspension during finals? We discuss which of the remaining NRL teams is least well positioned for long-term success. We give out the Above the Horizontal awards for the semifinals the NRL, and give our predictions for the preliminary finals, as well as round three of the NRLW. I'm joined tonight by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman, uh, the full roster for the finals, gentlemen. I'm, I'm glad to have you both. Let's jump into the best bold predictions from the elimination finals last week. Mine... Was that both games would be decided by six points or less? So in a weird, perverse kind of way, despite the fact I was going for the Raiders, I was cheering when James Tedesco crossed for that second try to make it a four-point margin. Uh, But those damn Rabbitos were just too good for the Eels, and they blew them away by fourteen points. So I did not get mine right. Miles, yours was that the Dill, sorry, the Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds combination would better the Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses combination in tries, try assists, line break assists and kick meters. How did that go? Uh, It
1: was, it was close, uh, but the numbers are, and I actually forgot to pull up the tries on this one, but it doesn't matter because I was wrong. Um, But the numbers were for the, for the Eels halves, it was zero try assists, two line break assists and 437 kick meters and for the Rabbitohs partnership, it was one try assist, zero line break assist, and 421 kick meters. So, um, oh. but I, I guess that go, it, it was close. Um, mm. But it does go to show you what, the kind of lies that statistics can tell. Because I think there's absolutely no question about which halves partnership was was actually better on the night.
0: Yeah, and when you when you throw uh, throw the number nine into the equation, uh, the Rabbitohs were certainly the better. Um, although, you throw number one into the equation, the Eels sort of catch up a little bit, but more on that later. Kieran, your prediction was that both top four teams will advance, so that was fun, um, and <laughs> oh, and also that Flanagan and Kiri and Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses would combine for at least two tries and five try assists. So, we know that the, the top four teams did not advance, so you're wrong on that front, but How did you go with the two tries and five try assists?
2: Uh, Well, there was two tries scored by the Raiders' halves in the Friday night game. Um, I mean, this bold prediction was a bit of a Hail Mary from the start, but um, yeah, two tries scored from uh, George Williams and Jack Whiten, and I believe there was a a try assist from, yes, George Williams to Jack Whiten in that game. So I was still holding out that uh, four try assists Um, from the next game um, on Saturday night would be able to come to fruition. But uh, I think there was just one more um, in that game as uh, Miles alluded to. So uh, yeah, a miss by three tri-assists and uh, two teams losing. All
0: right, so I think it's pretty safe to say that Uh, None of us got that one right Uh, Miles might be the closest Or maybe me But definitely not Kieran Um, Let's let's go to the the big question We have a question guys uh, Came from Robert via our Gmail Which is above the horizontal NRL at gmail.com Thanks for the question Robert Robert asks Should players put on report Be exempt from suspension During the finals So basically the idea that Uh, I I guess this probably comes from Viliami Kikau, who has been suspended for one fixture and will miss the preliminary final this week. Uh, Should he have been exempt from that and maybe have his suspension postponed until next season? Miles, what say you?
1: Uh, I say absolutely not. I think it it encourages uh, angle shooting and and dangerous play during the finals because players know that there's no chance of being rubbed out for a a big game during the rest of the series. And, and also it, and let's hope this, um, this wouldn't be the result if it were the case, but uh, with that dirty play might come injuries to other players who, um, while the, the player on report might not miss out the, the player who gets hurt might. So I don't, I personally don't see this as making any sense. I, I think as hard as it is, sometimes the, uh, the good players like Isaac Luke and, and potentially William Kikau out this week do need to miss out on the big games sometimes.
0: And sometimes it works just fine. I, I like that you use the Isaac Luke example. Uh, Cameron Smith's another one. Uh, he missed yep. a grand final yep. because of it uh, in 2008. That did not go so well for the Storm. Uh, <laughs> a 40-0 loss if, if memory serves. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that. Kieran, what do you take of, of Robert's question? Uh, do you think players should be exempt during the finals
2: uh initially i i agreed with robert and i thought um that y- yes they should be uh exempt especially after kick out was banned i i didn't believe that it was that bad a tackle or that it warranted suspension in the first place however on review it it, it definitely was enough for a one game suspension and allowing no suspensions for finals games so the suspension as we said commences the next season would set a bad precedent um, I just have to think to the, and this pretty much everything I'm saying speaks to what Miles said, but I, I think specifically to the situation where Charles Nichol Klokstad um, up against Josh Morris on the weekend, he could have gone even higher and really hurt Josh had he known he would not be suspended for the prelim or a potential grand final um, and as you say, uh, miles if, if the Roosters went through, it could have meant that the Roosters were without Josh Morris, and we already know that they did everything to get him because they were lean on the centers. Um, I, I don't think it's a, a good idea.
0: All right, so I agree I think it's not a good idea. So sorry, Robert, we, but we all say no, but I will hit the panel with a counter suggestion. So we've all decided that uh, maybe postponing or suspending the sentence to next season is not appropriate. Say in the case of out. Uh, okay, he's exempt, he plays the preliminary final, and he serves a one-match suspension round one next year. That's not enough. That's not enough of a deterrent, absolutely. What if a finals game became worth five regular season games, and suddenly the Panthers, as a club, have a decision to make whether they just take the guilty plea and he serves a one preliminary final, or... They say, no, 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 we need him for the prelim. We postpone it, and he serves a five-match suspension in from rounds one to five. Maybe make it seven matches if you want. My point is, would that be enough to sway your decision miles?
1: I would need to think a little bit harder on the 30 seconds, but I think on surface value, that uh, adds up to me. Uh, I think it. obviously it has the... Um, the deterrent for, of course, the player because they're not going to either want to miss one finals game or five regular season games the, the next year. But uh, the immediate tripwire that pops into my head is what if a player is scheduled to change teams next year? And, and look, I, I'm i all for there being no mid-season uh, signings or announcements of, of going elsewheres for next year. Um, that's just not something that I agree with. But let's say in this instance... Um, to use an example, Viliami Kikau was off to, let's say, the Broncos next year. Well, of course, the, the Panthers are going to say, well, you can miss out on the the next five games for the, the Broncos because you're not going to be an out player anymore. <laughs> so that's the, the tripwire I see there. So um, uh, I think on, on the surface, it, it looks good, but um, potentially not if there is uh, a situation like that to occur.
2: He's making a lot of sense there, Kieran, wouldn't you say? I, I agree completely, and uh, I just think I still have to go back to those injuries, and I think if you rub out a player from the opposition and they're in a, a very small premiership window, I just I couldn't cruel their chance to get a, a grand final opportunity and win the competition. Um, not to, to name names, so not naming names, not the Tigers. Um, yeah, <laughs> they, they did, haven't had a, a huge window um, and I think if you, if you had rubbed out Prince or Marshall from that game, that would have been um, very cruel on them if they'd gone on and lost. So that's, that's
0: three no's from us, Robert. I will name drop you. Uh, so that is a no from us. Players should not be exempt from suspension during the finals. If they... Uh commit foul play that is worthy of suspension at any other time during the year, then the same should happen for finals, even if it's a grand final or a state of origin. Thank you both very much. Let's go to the Above the Horizontal Awards for the Elimination Finals of Week 2 of the NRL. We'll start off with you, Kieran, because you have the best match this week.
2: Yeah, and... uh... I guess this was a little bit tricky, but I've I've gone with the Roosters Raiders in, in what was another classic elimination final that, that started with rampaging and dynamic forward, forwards getting on the board and ended with a somewhat underrated halves pairing and fullback romping home to get the win for the Raiders. In the middle there, um, somewhere uh, throughout the middle of the game, the two-time reigning champs were class. Um, that cannot go unmentioned, and they fought gallantly, however the Raiders were deserved winners.
0: They were indeed, and I loved watching that. I loved watching both games, actually, and uh, the NRLW games were fantastic to watch as well, but you're right, I think that was the pick of the week. Miles, you have the very uh, very tough decision to make on who was the MVP, because I could probably think of about three or four off the top of my head that would be very deserving of this award.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I know I mentioned to you guys two players offline that I was choosing between, but that um, that was just a, a narrowing of a, an initial decision, which was between about four or five players. But I've I've wind, winded up on Damian Cook. Um, he made the most tackles on the field for the Rabbitohs, and even out tackling Reed Marnie. And I'm not sure how many times that's actually happened this year. So mm. it would be a good one for uh, our listeners to get onto. Um, and of course, he also scored a try and. Ran for over 150 metres, assisted two other tries. Uh, I think he made a line break and a line break assist in there as well. So he he really did it all for the Rabbitohs on uh, Saturday night, I think it was. And um, he's been one of the, I'd say, three main players that have really spurred his team to this late season revival that they're enjoying.
0: Yeah, his last, uh, let's call it four to six weeks, have been... uh... Peak Damian Cook, uh, and he's he's looking very very scary for us Maroon fans. That's uh, <laughs> a
1: perfect time for the Blues.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, you got yeah, him and uh, and a few of those halves just firing at exactly the right time. The Maroons have not. I have got, <laughs> I've got the unsung hero award this week, and uh, there was plenty to choose from. I think, um, you know, because uh, fantastic performances from Cook, as you mentioned, uh, Jack Whiteon as well, but I couldn't really call either of those unsung heroes. Um, Charles Nichol, um Josh Papali'i, uh, Hudson Young, as well, were all fantastic. But mm. if you listen to the commentary, uh, they just absolutely. Copped compliments like the entire time. They they had such fantastic games that so you can't really call them unsung heroes as well. Maybe you could make the argument. I've gone with someone from the Rabbitohs Eels game. I've gone with Bailey sirinen in an 80 minute performance. He had that one crucial try from courtesy of uh, of King Gutho. Uh, 13 hit ups with an average play the ball speed of less than three seconds. To put that into context. Um, most forwards in the game were at least 3.7, like Cameron Murray, for example, who's well-known for his fast play the balls. Bailey threw in an average of about 2.85, uh, which is really pivotal on that left edge where they had guys like Cody Walker running a muck. He also made 38 tackles at a 95% efficiency. So this is a guy that uh, the the rabbinos of all the forward packs particularly the ones that are left in the competition at the moment. You'd say the Rabbitohs forward pack is the most unheralded. Um, but they were able to stand up to a very, very good Eels forward pack where three of their players got picked in the blue side. So, Bailey and gets the Unsung Hero Award for me this week. Let's go forward to the Wildcard Awards, which is one of my favorite awards. I'll start us off with the Kill Bill Award for Best Revenge Story. And it goes to Jack oh, nice. Jack Whiten. Jack Whiten and the Canberra Raiders who got who exacted revenge on the, uh, the people that defeated them last year in the grand final. What I liked the most about Jack Whiten's performance was that it's very much like... He reminds me a lot of Cameron Munster. He's one of those left foot running five-eighths that's just strong and fast with good footwork and just he hits a switch and he just goes, nah, that's it, fuck you, I'm not going to lose this game. <laughs> And, and just goes and fucking wins it. Like, he's, he's an absolute beast when he's on like that. Uh, and he wants to be very close to your MVP award, Miles. Uh, so, the wild, the, the wild card award for me, the Kill Bill Award for Best Revenge Story, goes to Jack Whiten and the Canberra
2: Raiders. Kieran, what is your wild card award this week? I've got the, the Peter Vlandes Award for producing a more refined NRL product and enhanced attacking game this year, which goes to Peter Vlandi's. <laughs> the, introduction, the introduction of the new rules has absolutely been a win for the game, and on the weekends, the new six-again rule and extra fatigue that ensues led to some brilliant attacking football once again. The quality of tries this final series has been ridiculous, with flick passes, ankle-breaking steps, and incisive line running, a real feature of the greatest game on earth. So from above the horizontal to the real sport 101 chat and league fans across the world, <laughs> we say a big thank you, Vlandys, good friend of the show. And we send our love <laughs> for getting rugby league back to where it belongs at its creative and attacking best. Yeah.
0: Unfortunately, uh, I don't think Peter DeFlandis is actually a fan of the show. Cause when he goes to Spotify <laughs> and he types in rugby league, nothing comes up. <laughs> so, um, unfortunately he's not a listener of the show, but I, I, do wholeheartedly agree. Even the no tries are exciting. You see that one where Tom Starling oh. flitted to Jordan Rapana. Oh, excellent. Um, Miles, what is your wildcard award for this week?
1: Well, funnily enough, my wildcard award, bow is, uh, is also a movie reference. And Kieran, it is uh, also been won by the namesake of the award. And that's, I've gone with the, the Wayne's World Award. And of course, it's going to Wayne's Bennett, um, or Wayne <laughs> Bennett, rather. Um <laughs> The, uh, the Rabbitohs, of course, were written off, I think, by most rugby league fans when Latrell Mitchell went down and they were certainly not looking in their best touch around that point of the season. But uh, I think Wayne Bennett, of, of all coaches, obviously with his eons of experience over everyone else, <laughs> knows how unimportant, well, not unimportant, but uh, knows of the the correct amount of importance that the regular season is. And he, he took the, all all 20 weeks of that regular season to fine-tune his rabbitos to perfection and he seems to have gotten the mix perfectly right for the finals and as a result South Sydney is, is one game away from the grand final and although they've got a, a, a large mountain to overcome to get there can you really would you really be surprised if a Wayne Bennett coach team won?
0: No absolutely not and I'm glad you bring us to that because our controversial take, This week, or at least uh, some fodder for a controversial take, is of the four teams left in the preliminary finals, which team is least poised for long-term success? So the way I I read this question is, uh, we've got the Panthers, the Rabbitohs, the Raiders, and the Storm. Uh, Obviously, it looks like, to me at least, one of them, the Panthers, is absolutely at the start of what could very well be a dynasty. Uh, where they have uh, a Roosters or storm-like decade uh, for the next five, ten years, but the rest of them, they, they, they for differing reasons, they, they all could be uh, on the verge of of not being a strong side anymore, not not being a, not being a, a, a team to to write home about. Of the four that are left, I actually think it's going to be the storm. And, I, and I, I, don't really, I don't really know how to, how to talk about this because it just seems crazy to me. Like, like people have been riding the storm off for the last five years and they, they keep finding a way. You know, they lose Billy Slater, they keep finding a way. They lose Cooper Cronk. I mean, yes, they haven't won since both those guys left, but they've been in grand finals. They keep finding a way. Uh, they're one game away. And the favorites to win against the Raiders too after a week off, they, they just keep finding a way. But they keep finding a way while I've got Craig Bellamy and Cameron Smith there. Now, fair enough, when Cameron Smith retires, they've got Harry Grant, who looks set to be his replacement, and if they're smart enough to keep him, that is. And that's about as good a replacement as I can possibly imagine, but is he Cameron Smith? Cameron Smith has been talked about as the greatest hooker of all time, so that's a loss. They've already lost Billy Slater. They've already lost Cooper Cronk. They haven't quite replaced those guys as well as you know they could have, and without Craig Bellamy, I just I just cannot see them. Yeah, they'll probably still make the top eight next year. They'll probably still make the semi-finals, but I think they're on the downward slide now. I think I think we're going to start to really talk about the storm as a as a mid range team rather than a, a top tier team and I think that starts in a year or so. The Raiders and Rabbitohs maybe still have a couple of good years left in them. Miles, what do you make of that assessment?
1: Well what I make of that assessment is that I agree with you and look I, I didn't I must admit I didn't feel exactly great about my call of the storm as well. Um going into this, but you agreeing with me has certainly uh, uh, embiggered me, I guess, um, in my opinion. Um, (laughs) But, look, for many of the same reasons as you, I've chosen the Storm. Obviously, the two most important cogs in their system are constantly questioned as to whether or not they're going to go on next year, and I I think that would have all Storm fans concerned to some level. Um, And no team is immune from failure. We saw the Broncos... um, go through that this year, but I think they've been going through that for a lot longer, to be honest, uh, after since the departure of Wayne Bennett, uh, the first time even, and, and Darren Lockyer the, the second time. They've uh, seen dips in, on both occasions. And, of course, the Storm do have plenty of positives, as you said, Bo, um, such as Ryan Pappenhausen and Cameron Munster and, of course, Harry Grant or even Brandon Smith, if it t- turns out to be him and Hooker long-term. But uh, I think coming up, they obviously they have probably not the biggest, but certainly the second biggest coaching replacement job in the, the history of the sport coming up at uh, all for their the hooker. And I, I think it's possibly, with all the weapons they do have, I think it's still a bit naive to assume that they'll be as mighty as they once were when when Craig Bellamy and Cameron Smith took off. and You, you kind of talked about successes there for a bit. Uh, Corey Norman, he, he looked great uh, for the Broncos and the Halves for a little bit, kind of taking on after Darren Lockyer and That didn't really work out. Same sort of thing with Andrew Johns. Uh, When he took off, we had Jared Mullen coming to the halves for the Knights, and that never really took off. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen with uh, Harry Grant or or Brandon Smith or any of the new Storm custodians, but I certainly think they've got the most to to play for here and have perhaps the bleakest future because I don't think that any of the other teams in in question are going to lose quite as much as the storm will, even if they can make it up slightly quicker than the others. Kieran, do you
0: agree, or do you think maybe the Panthers are poised for not much long-term success?
2: Um, listening to you two, I, I, I kind of think I should have evaluated a bit differently. Um, I think I bought into the, the storms, ro- the storm and their roster. Sorry, uh, a bit too much. Um, and I, I do kind of agree. Like the the question is, which team is least poised for long term success? Um, you have to call it winning a grand final at least once or twice. That that long term success. So, will the storm do that? I'm not 100% sure. But I'll I'll read out my my initial pick anyway. And uh, this was obviously unbelievably tough to pick um the Panthers and Storm rosters for mine I initially this is what I, I said were where, two-star studied to suggest they could be the least poised even with Bellamy and Cameron Smith set to leave um right. based on what their rosters could look like in the coming years I went with the Raiders which is no knock on the Raiders but I just love and respect Bennett as a coach too much Cody, Cody Walker will be in his prime now for at least another three years in my opinion and if the Bunnies are to have continued success, it will be off the back of his and LaTrell Mitchell's genius. Meanwhile, Jack Whiten, leader of the Raiders, he is just 27. And I do believe that much of, I, however, I do believe that much of their roster will be gone soon with Jared Croker. Well, not much, um, but Jared Croker, uh, Jordan Rapana are coming to the ends of their careers. And I, I believe Josh Papali just signed like a four or five year contract. That's a, a decent amount of time, but I think that'll probably be his last one. Um, Croker and Rapana who I just mentioned, I don't believe they've been at their best this season, although it hasn't even mattered. As I'm reading this, I'm just thinking I don't know why I picked the Raiders.
0: Um. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this this is like this is Shades of Miles last week. Like like this is the this is the good thing about the controversial take. Like you can you can come at it with like as much analysis as you want, but at the end of the day, like like we all stand to be absolutely wrong here. Like the the, the storm could dominate for the next decade, uh, and Pappenhausen becomes the best fullback we've ever seen. Who knows, right? But uh, <laughs> the Raiders are just as likely to struggle. Uh, I, I was umming and ahhing about them too.
2: Yeah, and I, the the other reason I I, I picked them for where uh, they should have some they should have had some success in the last few years. Uh, I think 2016 was a, a massive missed opportunity in that prelim against their uh, prelim uh, opponents this Friday night Um, in the storm. I really think they should have got got that done, and their premiership window may just close sooner. I do like like that they get their recruitment fairly well spot on, though, and I do anticipate that they will be there or thereabouts in the coming years. Um, However, as the old saying goes, success breeds success, and if the Raiders can't better their opposition soon... Um, I reiterate that their premiership window uh, may just close, and uh, so if if I had to pick one team initially without hearing anyone else, it, it was the Raiders.
0: So interestingly, out of the three of us, uh, none of us picked the Panthers. I think that's pretty straightforward. They've got one of the younger rosters and, uh, and are super successful at the moment, uh, and they can only stand to get better, you would think. None of us also picked the Rabbitohs, which is quite an interesting one, uh, considering that um, Wayne Bennett doesn't seem to be a long-term coach there. Um, it, it, it looks like there could be some change of foot for the uh, for the Cardinal and Myrtle, but well, we've decided not to go with them. That's very interesting. Um, I, I do agree with you that the Raiders are. They, they need to strike very, very soon with the, with the team they've got. And you mentioned that Josh Papali, he has like a four or five year contract coming up. Yes, but he's not going to play at this standard for those four or five years uh, in all likelihood. So uh, they do need to strike the iron's hot. And I do think the iron is hot. I reckon they might just pip the storm on Friday night, Kieran. I might actually go to that game just quietly. Uh, so if you can look into your crystal ball and tell me who you <sighs> think I should be tipping, uh, that would be lovely, thanks.
2: Absolutely, Um, Munster, without running through the the team list too much, I think most people will probably know who's playing and who's not by now, but uh, Munster is playing in a a huge boost to the Storm, adding to what was already surely going to be an absolute spectacle game. Um, The Roosters showed how to trouble the Raiders when they eventually got the ball in their elimination final last week. Spreading the ball wide early in the set and attacking the Raiders' edges caused several problems for the Raiders and proved fruitful for the Roosters. So in typical Storm fashion, should they once more weather the Storm, excuse the overused and terrible pun early, and then utilize their speed Mm -hmm. out wide, particularly that regularly mentioned and potent left edge of theirs, they can wreak havoc on the Raiders all night, especially with Kotrick defending on that that left edge, or right edge, I can't even remember, I think it's the right edge, yeah, and Mm -hmm. uh, that the Storm with their left hand side attack is just freakish. Um, Kotrick loves to rush in and was exposed for it on the weekend and I can be a little rash in defense as well on the other side. Um, the Raiders beat the Storm way, way back in round three and while statistically the Raiders did not outwork or out-hustle the Storm, it was the most frustrated I've ever seen a Storm side in recent memory at least. Um, in fact, the Raiders made less meters, had less time in possession, less tackle breaks and their average set distance was the lesser of the two sides. They were the second best in almost every department, however they grafted their way to a win. This speaks to the point I want to make that the Raiders can beat any team no matter the situation they find themselves in, purely on grit, determination, and absolute star quality that oozes throughout their squad, led by Jack Whiten. Denon Kemp talks of how, of how if the Rabideaus complete at 80%, they can and most times inevitably inevitably will beat any side. Well, I believe the same of the Raiders when they are attacking at their rip-roaring best. I've got a very feisty clash, and this prediction goes against two weeks ago what would have been my better judgment. However, as Bo would say, I can just feel it in my plums, and I think the Raiders can feel it in their plums too, that a win is coming their way. I will let that out. <laughs> I've got more. I, I I even think that I can sense that they feel it in their plums, and they can sense it in mine. <laughs> so, I don't want to hear about
0: your plums anymore.
2: <laughs> so I've got the Raiders winning by four points or less, and I actually think they'll steal it late in the piece. I... For the record, I don't remember ever saying plums. I say in my waters.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I
2: think uh, Get it right, dude. <laughs> I th- it's um that actor, that comedian. I can't think of his name
1: now. Tom Green. Uh, um, it's
2: <laughs> not Tom Green. Stepbrothers. Um, oh, John C. Riley. No, no, no. Oh, what's his name? Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Okay, well, whatever you feel in your plums, I I actually think uh, the Eels showed a little something something about how to beat the Storm as well a couple of weeks ago when they stormed out to a, a good lead. And it was by changes of directions in the middle, quick play of the balls, and late offloads from guys like Junior Paulo. Now, the Raiders, they have guys like John Bateman, Elliot Whitehead, Joseph Tarpanay, Josh Papali'i, who have some good late footwork. They're very strong guys. They pop a good offload. They've got Corey Harawira and Naira on the bench. Uh, they've got enough that can really trouble the storm. I too am going to go for the Raiders, which leaves Miles to potentially be the voice of reason.
1: Well, funnily enough, uh, I have a rule that I never change my tip, even if- despite as quickly as I disagree with it, just because I think it's um uh my opinion is that um you look you'll hate yourself more if you've changed from the correct team than if you mm. didn't change to begin with but um Kieran you've you've swung me I, I think the Raiders are gonna win, but I have tipped the storm,
0: okay, so uh, Make uh, what you will. <laughs> so miles miles is going for a draw um, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. They uh, say so officially you're going for the storm, but you can you can see where where Kieran's coming from with the Raiders.
1: If I was, if I hadn't tipped already, I would be tipping the Raiders.
0: Ah, very very interesting. Who would you tip between the first place Panthers and the sixth place Rabidos?
1: Well, I I did toy with the idea of choosing the Rabbitohs because, of course, that's just the kind of guy I am. Um, <laughs> uh, after all, nobody expected the the Roosters' result from a few weeks ago. But um, look, I think the Panthers are the undisputed class of the league, and I think they're they've proved that they can win always this year. So we, we've kind of seen them win uh, and beat teams over twenty minutes early in the game, and, and then forty minutes, and then sixty minutes, and most recently, I guess, over eighty minutes. So. Mm. I think that no matter what the Rabbitohs throw at them, I'd like the Panthers' chances to overcome it. So I am going the Panthers, but I don't know. The the more I kind of dwell on Wayne Bennett being the Rabbitohs' coach, the more I think the Rabbitohs might win. So uh, I absolutely don't want that to happen, so I'm just going to stop thinking about it.
0: (laughs) Well, well, I think think you touched on something there that's very interesting. I, I think the difference... If the Rabbitohs do prevail, I think the difference is gonna be Wayne Bennett versus Ivan Cleary's inexperience. That week off can be a, a blessing, obviously, for your players. And in the Panthers case, it probably means that they have to avoid that, you know, the loss they needed to have. You know what I mean? Like like they, they had that week off, they can refresh, they can go out and do whatever they need to do, right? So the But Ivan Cleary is not super experienced when it comes to finals campaigns, and I'm not sure. Like how he's gonna manage the and neither is most of his players by the way, uh, so I, I find well, that very interesting.
1: Well, that said, I I do think that he he's obviously made the grand final before with the Warriors and mm. won a big game over the Storm to get to that point, point. and I, I think they were down at halftime too. So he he made some good adjustments in that game. So who knows? He he's a great tactician and great in-game coach, whereas. Uh, Wayne Bennett, of course, both of those things also. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I uh, Gosh, I, I really don't know. I, I think this is going to be way closer than the people think it's going to be. I, I think people making way way too little of the Rabbitohs in this one.
0: I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. But I am going to go for the Panthers, much like you. It's just hard to see them losing. It really is, it's, it's, particularly in is. this game. Uh, Kieran, what do you make of it?
2: Uh, I've got the Panthers because their form is irrepressible. And I don't believe the Rabbitohs are an 80-minute team. But I've said on the pod before, I think the Panthers are the best momentum side. I think there's a, a good argument that the Rabbitohs are now the best momentum side. And uh, if they get on Absolutely. a roll, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think they could easily win. And uh, yeah, it'll be, as you said, very, very close. But I, I do think the Panthers will just pip them.
0: All right, and let's go to the NRLW. It's round three of the NRLW. In the previous matches, the Roosters beat the Warriors twenty-two to twelve, and the Broncos beat the Dragons by that dreaded scoreline eighteen to four, which the Dragons also lost by in round one to the Roosters. So they're really enjoying their 18-4 losses. Uh, this <laughs> this week, this week they're playing against the Warriors, uh, who have also not won a game so far uh, this campaign. Uh, realistically. I think these teams are both just playing for uh, for pride because the grand final's already been decided with the Roosters and the Broncos. So uh, the Dragons are missing Isabel Kelly, who is out injured after that hair pulling incident from Amber Hall from the Broncos. Uh, she pulled her hair and then fell on her legs and like did something to her knee. So there's a pretty bad knee injury there for Isabel Kelly, and Kesey Apps are a feared MCL, I believe. Uh, sorry, Isabel Kelly's was an ankle. My apologies. Uh, Ketiaf's was the, uh, the knee injury. Two very, very big losses. They're, they're both Jularoo's, uh absolute automatic selections. So, Dragons, uh, a, a bad year, becoming much worse, making my early season prediction about them being guns a little bit hard to read at the moment. <laughs> um, the Warriors uh, have a bunch of changes as well. Look, they, they've they tried really hard. They've still got Ellie Green on, on the wings. Um, I... I think they lack a little bit of spark in their spine uh, compared to the Dragons. I look at players like Matty Studden and Sam Bremner for the Dragons, and I just think they have too much class. So despite having Kelly and Apps out, I do think the Dragons will get that one done. Any quick tips from you there, Kieran?
2: Uh, I'll t- I'll just tip the Dragons um, because they're the better team. <laughs> and, uh, and Miles, you have a tip there?
1: I like the Warriors to uh, cause an upset here.
0: Yeah, I, I could I could see that happening. But the the big game is is really just a bit of a warm up for the grand final. It's the Roosters versus the Broncos. As I said, the Roosters beat the Warriors last week, and the Broncos beat the Dragons amongst some hair pulling. the The form of Ali Brigginshaw at halfback and Tamika Upton at fullback has been what has really powered the Broncos. Uh, as well as Taryn Aiken doing a really good job at lock. Um, But the Roosters just, they've sort of come out of the clouds here with all these fantastic players from the sevens. Uh, Even with Charlotte Kaslich being the the big name that they've pulled in, she's now playing at fullback after starting the season at 5-8. I just don't think that she has been at her peak, and I'm very curious to see if she can pull it out Right in time for the finals to take down her opposite number Tamika Upton. I'm going to go for the Broncos out of some weird kind of Queensland loyalty, but I think it's going to be a fantastic game and and quite uh, enticing before the grand final. Miles, who do you, are you going to stick with your your Roosters girls or or maybe the maybe the Broncos can get this one done?
1: No, I'm definitely going to stick with the Roosters on this one out of. Uh state loyalty and and also out of uh, out of um, solidarity so go the roosters
0: you've you've got to start gearing up for state of origin be, <laughs> <can> like <laughs> every, every chance you get so Kieran can I can I take that as a Broncos tip for you definitely yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> fantastic all right we're almost at the end of the show we have the bold predictions for the preliminary finals i might
2: ask you to start us off please kieran I've got I've got Papenhausen to have the most run meters of any fullback this weekend. Um, I won't change it. I almost was going to say the most run meters of any player, um, but I did some background knowledge on the fullback, so I thought I'd stick with it. So Papenhausen to have the most run meters of any fullback this weekend, and Papenhausen in 2020 averages 194 meters a game. Dylan Edwards averages 197. Uh, Charles Nickel Clokstad averages 185, and Corey Allen 151. So, going by that, it could be a, a very, very close uh, run thing. All right, that sounds really good. And
0: Miles, what is your bold prediction?
1: I've gone for a far less complicated bold prediction. Um, there's obviously a lot of uh, obviously a lot of been obviously been a lot of fantastic signings this season, and uh, rookies, of course, and, and all. All that good stuff. And so I'm going with a player who was not playing for their current team last year will score a winning try this week. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I, I probably should have <laughs> list, listed the candidates. But <laughs> for this award, you're looking at guys like Apisai Karasau, um, I guess you could even say Stephen Crichton. He wasn't playing for the Panthers last year. He's a rookie. Suppose, um yeah. For the Rabbitohs, a uh, quick one off the top of my head, maybe I think Bailey Siernan was probably not playing first grade last year.
2: Jackson Paulo,
1: Jackson Porlo is, is in that. Um,
2: Good call. The
1: Storm, there's a, a bunch of them in there. Um, obviously, Brenko Lee. Uh, I, I don't know if Justin Olin played last year. He did, And the Raiders, yeah. oh, there you go. Um, the Raiders, you're looking at George Williams, um, Corey Harawira and Naira, those kind of guys. So okay. hopefully sort of get what the idea is now.
0: Okay, yes. Yeah, so I, I, you said it was less complicated. That's, it's, it's way more complicated. Well,
1: you're looking for one thing at the end of the game. That's what you're looking for. No match okay. required. <laughs> okay, <man.
0: laughs> it was so complicated that you've made me forget what mine was. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. But that's okay. I've, I've, I've I remembered. I've remembered. Mine is probably less complicated than that. Mine is that Jack Whiten will break. More tackles than he misses. So if he, and it has to be more than he misses. So if he misses four tackles and he breaks four tackles, that is an incorrect guess. It has to be 5 4, 4 3, 1 0, even. That would do me. Uh, so Jack Whiten to break more than he misses. Guys, thank you very much. We've reached the end of the show. Uh, as always, uh, well, not go the Cowboys again. Uh, the Cowboys have let me down.
2: Guys? Yeah, I don't know. know?
0: Go to the milk, yes, up the milk. Are you gonna go to that game, Kieran?
2: Yeah, yeah, I am actually. Section seven fifteen, I think it is.
0: I'm trying to sort out some tickets tonight, so I'll have to send you a text if I manage to get there. Miles, I trust you're not going to be going to that game,
1: so. I'm not, but guys, go the storm. <laughs> oh, go to storm! Oh, yeah, no, not a milk fan at all. Oh, oh, Sorry I. I about that. And go I, the Panthers, absolutely. Gotta hate the Raptors. <laughs> 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 you go, you go the milk.
0: <laughs> Above the horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Your regular panelists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan
2: Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson.